Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And in Paikakariki village back in the 1940s, there were about 500 villages and about 15,000 U.S. Marines. 15,000. And this unique part of New Zealand history has now been immortalised in a new website. It's called, uh, or the URL rather, is marinesnz.com. It features maps and photos and news clippings, stories and anecdotes, and even videos from the US Marines' time stationed on the Kapiti Coast during World War II from 1942 to 1944. Ali Weber is a member of the Kapiti U.S. Marines Trust and one of the brains behind this project. Kia ora to you, Ali. Kia ora, Abel. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. This is an absolutely fascinating chapter of New Zealand history, and it's probably fair to say not that many people are, are familiar with it. Would you say from your experience, Ali? Oh, completely. I think they're familiar with bits of it. They're familiar with the fact the Marines perhaps came here they're familiar with perhaps love affair in their family or they know they've got some genealogical connection. Um, but there's a lot that they don't know, yes. Do those Marines get up to a bit of mischief to they, Um, Oh, they did, yes. When I first came on the trust, you know, we was all the story was all about jitterbugging and mischief and marriages and, you know, hoopla um, and, you know, the usual they're over sex, overpaid, and over here. Um, right. Story that's gone on forever. Um, so it was handed down in families. But, um, you know, as I've got into the story, um, there's a whole lot that's got a lot more depth and is a great deal more fascinating than that. Yeah, indeed. Well, t- tell me about your connection to this story or, or why you got interested in it in the first place. Well, it's a very good question, really. Um, at the time, I was working as a comms person for the then mayor of Kapiti, Jenny Rowan, and she was a very busy, energetic person who had more ideas than she probably had roast dinners. So, um, one of the she saw very early on that the marine story was largely untold in Kapiti. And that it was, if we were to tell it and tell it well, and it could become a really great asset for us, you know, in terms of bringing visitors to the district. And that it was a key kind of stream in our history. And she came up with the idea of starting this trust, and she didn't really have the time to run it. And so I got the job. Nice one. Um, you know, it's not, I'm not inherently interested in war history or in Marines per se, but. I did become very, very interested in what we're interested in is really the connection between the Marines and our people, the Marines and our land. You know, what was the connection? What was the two-year story of how those two sets of people met on these pieces of land? You know, what happened? What did we learn is far more interesting to us than just um, sort of the idea that we're 
here to promote the Marines per se. Of you know, course, we're here yeah. to you no. know, acknowledge history and acknowledge their sacrifice and you know, and acknowledge the relationships between them and us. But there's also a lot to say about what the Kiwis did in that period, you mm. know. Um, so a hero of that period was, of course, Sir James Fletcher, who mm-hmm. who was um, in charge of building the camps, you know, and he, Sir James, for those who, you know, might know of Fletcher Company, Fletcher building, yeah. in its current form, well, he was effectively the grandfather founder of the company, and um, he sold his house in Auckland and moved down to Wellington and moved into um hotel just across from the railway station and um, was answerable only to the you know the head of public works, the then Prime Minister Sir Peter Fraser and the government architect, and got on with the job of getting um the camps the first camp up and running by the time within six weeks between when the Marines arrived. So that's often used as a story of how New Zealand can really, if I be crude, kick ass and get something <laughs> to happen uh, quite quickly if it has the, you know, the will and the lack of bu- bureaucratic red tape to do so. Yeah. And, and so by the time the Marines arrived, the camp was there and, um, you, you know, there was running water and sewerage. Um, Ellie, there's a, a, I'll just tell you, there's a funny story in my family because I, I think my my great grandfather, or perhaps my great great grandfather, was um, uh, was in business with with one of the Fletchers early on, um, I, and, and, and so the story goes down in Dunedin, and so the story goes that um, my relative said uh, at at a certain point said, "Oh, this bloody Fletcher, he's he's holding me back. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and and do it uh, by myself." And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what. There's no Donovan building, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> let me just let, let, let's let's just um, let's bring it back, Ellie. For people who aren't familiar with the story, why did the U.S. Marines come to New Zealand? Okay, well, they came because um, I think, um, well, first of all, our troops, our men were, um, as many people will know, they were either, they're in the Middle East and in Italy, mm. and they you know, had a very good reputation. So they've been there for quite a number of years, and and the Allied, you know, the Allied commanders did not really want to bring New Zealand troops home because they were doing a good job and they were sort of required over there. So you know, there was a, one element of it was the protection of New Zealand citizens because the Japanese you know, we're advancing across the Pacific and things were looking pretty threatening, um, particularly after Pearl Harbor. And the second thing really was that, so once it was decided to commit and for um, the Americans to come here, then they were looking for a place where it was kind of, I'm not sure that this is the right military uh, term, but it was kind of a liftoff centre. So right. they would come here, they would prepare for war, um, they would get their strategy together, their men would get trained, and it was also a period to come back to to repatriate in. So, you know, um, men didn't come here necessarily for a whole year even. They were here for short periods of time. Um, first, the first Marines were the first to arrive in two, um, 2000, um, sorry, 2000, um, in 1942. Mm-hmm. Um and and they they were only here for about six weeks before they were then sent to Guadalcanal. 
And then those that survived Guadalcanal um, very often came back here. Um, the wounded were treated and got back on their feet again and um, brought up to speed with exercise and sent back into battle. Um, and they're also preparing here using New Zealand because of the coast and of the nearby forest. Mm. Um, it was a great preparation um, training place for, you know, for doing landing craft exercises on the beaches, forest work, and also they did a lot of things like route marches along the highway to get fit. Ellie, I've just got a text in um, from Richard. It says, uh, Emil, you're too young, and I most certainly am, but um, Don Adams, the actor who became Maxwell Smart, apparently he yes. spent he spent a lot of time at Paikakariki and Silverstream Hospital, so I'm told. Oh, oh, highly likely. I mean, a lot of quite famous people do, and people of the day will remember Leon Uris's Battle Cry, which, much of which was centred in New Zealand. There's a lot of quite famous actors of the day, um, probably um, not as good on that as some other members of the Trust, but definitely, um, you know, actors, singers, all kinds of people were in the Marines at that time. The, the website features, it's a really good, I, I highly recommend people take a look, marinesnz.com is the URL, and it features some really delightful memories from people uh, who were living in the area at the time. Do you have a particular favourite that springs to mind? Oh, look, there's so, so many, Emil, but um, a couple that I think are, one is a couple are quite interesting and quite fun. So I had the pleasure to to know two very good local men. One was Morris Perry, who lived in Romati South, mm. and the other one was John Porter, who was a hero in our village in Paikakariki, and both were interested in the Marines. And they started their interest and saw the Marines when they were young kids at primary school. And I remember um, being at a function with both of them and I said to them, do you two know each other? And it turned out they had never met. And John Porter said to Morris Perry, I always thought you must have had a much more interesting war than I did, um, Morris. <laughs> I said, why was that? And he said, oh, because he saw more warfare on his side of the park than I did. <laughs> well, at the time, you know, there was jeeps roaring around the park and, yeah. you know, there was bombs going off and the local kids, particularly the boys, were completely fascinated by all this and they were collecting shells from in the park and watching, you know, looking out for foxholes and mm -hmm. all kinds of things. They thought they'd died and gone to heaven at one level. I loved that. Um... And I suppose, I suppose another um, more moving story, but this would symbolise a lot of what happened. A lot of people, I mean, people always think of the marine relationship with locals as being, you know, romantic between um, Marines and young women, but a huge number of the relationships were actually between families mm -hmm. and people's mothers were um, just beside themselves because they looked at all these guys marching around and thought, oh, my God, they could be our sons. They're only 17 years old. And, um, you know, there's kind of the story of the woman who kept on, she wrote to the boy she considered her son who'd gone off to Tarawa, I think, and she kept on writing letters to him and she would pack up these fruitcakes and, you know, tape them down and everything. And then eventually the fruitcakes 
started coming back and the letters were never replied to. Mm. So it would be a very typical sort of thing that um, you know, a mother in New Zealand might experience and I, I think speaks to, you know, the, the sort of family relationship. There's also memories I have of veterans in their 80s that I was, you know, running around um, Wellington and Howling Southerly trying to help them find their old girlfriends' houses. <laughs> and, you know, they're so sort of funny but moving yeah. to see men this old who suddenly become romantic again and even though they'd gone through this dreadful war you know there's still that upside of life i guess to people so so many memories really yeah the spark of the human condition we we've been talking a, lo- a lot about the marines and the men but um uh, tell me also about Silverstream Hospital we mentioned that just before and, and there were american nurses here tending to the wounded ally Indeed, and that's something that we can often pass over because a very significant number of those that came back off the um, the ships, you know, if you, if you look at some of the photos on the website, you'll see quite a lot of very powerful ones, say, in the Norm Hatch collection on there of, um, you know, bodies being loaded off, off big troop ships. And a lot of the men came back, they were wounded, they went to Silverstream Hospital, um, those that were really, really badly wounded were sent straight back to America and the hospital looked after those people. But a lot of people in Silverstream had malaria, typhoid or dengue fever. And at one point, there was a figure that I think it was eight out of nine Marines in New Zealand at some point had malaria. So yeah. there were a lot of men who were very unwell when they came back and they were either treated there or they were sometimes treated in smaller little hospitals. There were some hospitals marked on maps of the camps here. Um, so, you know, a lot of them, there's a, lot, a number of accounts we've got of men who were, you know, had very bad trauma and, um, and probably malaria who were sort of not doing terribly well, you know, as their roommates or... Um, that hut mates, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, so, and there's a good, very lot of very good photos of volunteers and Silverstream hospitals, Kiwis, Māori going in there, um, doing their bit, um, occupying, entertaining um, men that had come back from one of the one of the um, battles. Yeah, it's a really, really terrific website. I've got it open in front of me right now, and um, you could you could definitely lose quite a few hours going through this. So, um, Ali, congratulations on this, and uh, all the best for the future. Thank you very much for your time. It's been lovely having you on. That is uh, Ali Weber. Ali is a member of the Carpeti US Marines Trust and one of the brains behind this project. And that uh, website URL for you once more is MarinesNZ. Dot com. That's marinesnz.com and we'll pop a link up on the night's website as well. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 